0: Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new edition of Flyers Daily. It is a Monday edition for the 17th of July. And every Monday, we talk to the man. NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com.
1: It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you beating the heat? <laughs> Staying in case. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, he's, he used to be a comedian. Used to, every city he would go to, he said, it's great to be indoors. And that's, uh, <laughs> yes. you know. And that's, uh, that's how it is. That's how it is here right now. It's just nice to be in the air conditioning.
0: That sounds like a Stephen Wright line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I picture myself, but only bigger. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, um, let's get right to the business here because three RFAs have been signed of four. Kate's gets signed. We talked to him on Friday's Flyers Daily. York gets signed. We talked to him. Well, we haven't talked to him yet. We're going to. And OALXL gets signed. Let's start with, Kates in York first and foremost cuz these are two players that we know are ticketed for the Flyers roster once again this year. Both have played under 100 games. I think Kates is at 98 games I want to say. York said 87 total NHL games, but what do you think of the two deals, both bridge deals?
1: Well, uh given given the way the marketplace is right now with the cap expected to start rising again in another year, um it, it, I, I think I think it made sense for both sides. The players bet on themselves, essentially. Um, in, in the case of uh, the case of Cates, he'll be a restricted free agent one more time at the the end of the expiration. So you're not walking him right to UFA status. Um, but it's a it's definitely a, a nice bump if if he if his offensive game comes around like like something it potentially could becomes a twenty goal guy, they could uh, have a nice bump in in his next contract. But um, and, and you know, York is still still quite young. This is his first go around on, on uh, restricted free agency. So he wasn't eligible for arbitration yet. And um, it, it's a, a vote of confidence in the player with uh, Tony D'Angelo having been been waived for bio purposes. Uh, there's a there's a grand opportunity for for Cam to take over on the first power play unit. And, um, you know, the the is there. And, and if he does as uh, as is hoped, and, you know he can he can clean up on his next contract. There'll be a lot of minutes for him. So yeah, I, 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 I think, think that's part through. of
0: it. The power play element's part of it too, because points equal dollars a lot of times, especially even for defensemen.
1: Oh, oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. And uh, when when you look at when you and it's, it's any team in the league, you know when you look at guys who are, are way up on their team in the scoring lead or, or among the top 50, 40, 50 scorers in the league, um, almost inevitably they play they, – a lot of their points come in the power play, even if they're good five-on-five five players. And that's uh, that's just that's just the way of the game. So that's uh, – I mean, it, it's kind of it, – it's kind of crazy if you think about the, the last two seasons and just how poor the Flyers' power play has been. And, um, you know, a lot of these young guys, a, a lot of – where they, they set up the production rise really was that they're five on five. So it uh, there's, there's opportunity there for sure.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you look at power play percentages around the league and I'm not just talking about Edmonton North of 30% on the power around the league The percentages are way up. So naturally that's scoring and the top goal scorers are, are getting that time and, and cashing in on it. Uh, Lixell's a guy bill that I think opened John Tortorella's eyes in camp. He said, he kept looking at a sheet going, "Who's this? this? guy's always going to the right places. Just a very uh, intuitive player. Um, they get him wrapped up as well in, in this restricted process. But let's go to the one that's not re- that's not signed yet, and that's Morgan Frost. You know, Morgan Frost this year, especially in that second half, Bill really had really came into his own. We saw, uh, you know, the player fulfilling a lot of the promise that was there. All said and done, he played in 81 games. He only missed the one game he was scratched for in Toronto." 19 yeah. goals, 27 assists, 46 points. Th- Our fourth on the team in scoring. Uh, what co- is this? Is you know, given the landscape of the NHL, is this a deal that is obviously going to be a bridge deal again? Because it doesn't seem like it's just restricted guys. I think everybody's on a, an approve it mindset around the league UFA's as well.
1: Yeah, and, and with Morgan, um, you, you mentioned the second half. He, he led the Flyers in scoring over the final 56 games of the season. So it was a it was a little longer than half a season. Uh, if you take if you think back to December 9th, it was a December 9th game that he um, and that was that was before the big explosion in, in uh, Arizona. We had the four point game, yeah. but that was the game before that. Um, and from, from that game onward, he started seeing more ice time and, you know, so on and so forth. So he was very productive after that. But the OK, so and if you, if you remember, we we interviewed Craig Button not all that long ago. And one of the questions we asked was, well, can Morgan sustain that? Um, and, and he believes he can, and I believe Danny Breyer believes he can, but he has to show it first. Yep. Um, that's that's why it's probably the toughest contract of the bunch. Um, a because he was kind of buried in the lineup back in back in uh, November after you know, had a tough start. It, it's been a process for Morgan to get to that level that he hit as the season went along. So there's a leap of faith that Morgan will continue, just keep on doing what he was doing. Um, a guy who I think he has to get off to a pretty good start this season and then just, then, he, then he'll be fine kind of roll from there. Um, but you know, this, this is the first time he's done on any kind of sustained basis in, in the NHL. So it, it, it can be hard to, to put the dollar figure in the term on I, I'm I'm pretty sure it'll be a, another bridge deal. I'd be surprised I, again, either if they walk him right, to right to UFA status, or if they, um, you know, or especially they go really long-term and, and uh, buy out or, or not buy out, but the preempt unrestricted free agent stats with a law lo- real long-term deal. I, I think, I think we're looking at another two-year deal. It might even be another one-year deal.
0: Yeah. Just because you can't, you don't know if you're ready to go totally long-term yet. Cause you'd like to see that over the course of an entire season. And when the games mean more right at the beginning of a year, you know what I mean? Not to the game's, they do, they do mean less when, when you're a team that you know is not ticketed for the playoffs. Um, so coaches look at it that way. So we'll see where that goes with Frost. But you alluded to it before, you know, when you, you mentioned Cam York about getting top PP time as the, you know, pseudo quarterback of the power play and that being for York and possibly put up some points there. Well, the guy that was that last year was Tony D'Angelo, Bill. It didn't help the power play a tremendous amount. He did have decent power play points, oddly enough. You know, when you look at what Tony D'Angelo did on the power play, he had 19 power play points, it's not bad. Power play was horrific, but Tony D'Angelo was a top-pairing defenseman paired with Ivan Proveroff when the season began, and Kevin Hayes was your number-one line center with Sean Couturier out. All three of those players are gone, and their 123 combined points are gone. Yeah. Hayes last year had his best year in the NHL, 54 points, 18 which were goals. Then you look at, obviously, we just mentioned Tony D'Angelo. In 70 games, 42 points. Ivan Proveroff in all 82 Six goals, 21 assists, 27 points. All those guys are being replaced. John Tortorella talked about subtraction. That's subtraction not just from you know, a production standpoint in those 123 points, but big names as well. When you think about that, that your top pair is now gone, and Kevin Hayes, his huge off-ice personality, and what he was able to do on the ice when he wasn't in the doghouse, what first comes to mind when you think that those three players are now not a part of this team at all?
1: Well, it's, uh, there are two things. Uh, one, go back to the word we had before is opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, because there will be opportunities for you know, the guys like, like Owen Tippett in New York York um, and Frost to take that next step this season. They'll, they'll be, they'll be getting a, a lot of ice time, PP one time, um, now, just to just to go back to Frost for a second, one of the really, if you look at his numbers with leading the team and scoring over the final 56 games, almost all of it came five and five. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he he was he was having, uh, until late in the season, he was one of the guys was having issues with entries, something on, on, you know, on the power play. That's something that Morgan has to clean up a little bit, um, was showing improvement. Um, so uh, a lot of these guys that the Flyers are going to pick up power play-wise, it's got to be these young guys. Um, you know, although although he'll he'll help in other ways, a guy like Garden Hathaway, you you didn't you didn't sign him to get your points, even though he can produce well, you know, for a fourth line guy. So it, it's going to have to be these young guys. And the other part of it too is that really, if you're going to if you're going to improve in the standings, boy, you, you really hope that Sean Couturier and um, and Atkinson come back healthy and and productive at the similar to the level they were before their injury absences, because otherwise goals are going to be really hard to come by again
0: yeah it's a big ask and you're talking about a guy in atkinson who scored 42 under john tortorella in columbus albeit a, a bunch of years ago and couturier who put up a couple of uh, north of 75 point seasons as well um tony d'angelo build the trade doesn't happen we talked about it last week maybe they're waiting on carlson and you know the, the whole thing about carlson like I, carlson and pittsburgh man i would be scared if it was 2014 Yeah, Carlson it's 2023 it's nine years too late so I'm not scared of Carlson going to Pittsburgh Uh, but I I look at it and Tony D'Angelo and they opt for the the second buyout window why was this the right way to go because you actually have less money on the cap than you would have had you made the trade and retained
1: yeah there, there there's two benefits to it and I think I think we should point out uh because sometimes sometimes people Falsely assume that that uh, Barry Hanran negotiates contracts. You know, a, a lot of times the the uh, Flyers cap situation gets blamed on the guy who's the, the cap manager. But all he all he literally does is calculates the cap every day, and and uh, not all he does is a ton of work, but calculates the cap and, and he structures contracts, and um, he's in charge of CBA compliance. And this is this falls under the CBA heading, where when the when Noah Cage filed for arbitration. It opened that second window for for a buyout possibility, um, and uh, as you said, actually in, in this case, I mean, it, if that trade with Carolina had gone down, then the Flyers would have retained fifty percent and, lost and the retention and spot, and they would have lost the retention spot. So they would have only had one for the season. Um, now, now you're actually saving more money on the cap, um, so the the Flyers will have extra cap space going into the season. They could sign Morgan Frost, have a, have their NHL roster essentially set, and uh, still have cap space left over without without having to, to go to uh, long-term injury reserve on Ellis. And the way that, the way they're going to try to structure this, they're going to try to get as close to the ceiling as they can, and then they, then they could use long-term if they have to, and uh, that way you get the, the full amount, or clo- as close to the full amount as possible. So the dollars and cents of that work out nicely. The only The only real downside honestly, is that uh, you do absorb some dead space in in the uh, in 2425 when he'd otherwise have been off the books. but other than that, other than that it works out better for the flyers than the deal where you're not where you're getting a, a second tier prospect um, who good college player, but really kind of figures in an AHL guy um, and maybe you know maybe maybe could be more than that, but I think I think in the short term, the cap savings and um and the retention slot matter more because this way if you if you save some money under the cap then the flyers could leverage that and uh maybe take on somebody else's contract that they they don't Be want for yep exactly exactly yeah. so that's uh and then they get some more assets out of it that way too so. Uh, they're they're pretty well set up right now, actually.
0: It's actually a savvy move by the organization because they can now weaponize the extra retention slot and the savings. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, when you get to close to the deadline and a team really needs some help, when teams really need help, they they'll they'll go a lot further. And you can be the team going, hey, we can offer you the relief you're looking for. And you don't have to give us a roster player but you're going to have to give us a good pick, a decent pick, or you're going to have to give us a, a decent prospect, certainly more than you would have gotten in the trade with Carolina for Tony D'Angelo in the first place. So uh, that was a savvy piece of business, and the Kate's arbitration thing opened that up, and boom. That, that To me, that's a home run. So now you got that. You, you got an extra bullet in the chamber, if you will. Let, let me ask you about this, Bill, because I've seen a little bit of this on social media. You know, I mentioned right in the beginning about, you know, subtraction and towards talking about subtracting players. Is there a point in, you know, okay, year one, resetting the standard is there towards weeding out who's a part of the future and who's not. But is there a point where the the head coach influence maybe steps back a little bit here? It's never going to step all the way back. And I think people don't realize the influence any head coach has with construction of a team and a general manager. They talk every day, several times a day about players, on their team around the league and their system, all of that stuff. But it does does Torts fade back a little bit here because the construction now comes through amateur scouting and pro scouting and the general manager? You've got the standard and the subtraction. Now let the people on that on end of the uh, kind of food chain build it build it back up and give you the tools.
1: Uh, for sure. Um, I think the subtraction priorities heading into this offseason. season. Those guys, are, those guys have now since been traded. Yeah. So um, there was a better business with uh, Travis Sandheim. He was in rumors and they weren't able to get something done there. And now they, the eight-year contract is kicked in. That's going to be interesting to see how that takes shape. But but in general, uh, I, I think that uh, they accomplished primarily the subtractions that Torts wanted to see happen. And after that, it becomes a matter of, well, if you can get a sufficient value on somebody to make a trade make sense, go for it. But I, I think that uh, I think if the Flyers went into the season with this roster, Church would have no complaints. He, he would, you know, he, he'd feel ready to coach the the roster because because I think that that step has been taken um, for the most part, and and there might be further subtraction down the line. We'll see. Yeah. But but I think that I think that the immediate steps have fallen in place, and now, now you really do you have to leave the, to Danny to the pro scouts, etc. Yeah, to do to do their job that they were hired to do. I've always said that, you know,
0: you hire somebody to do a job, have, let them do their job. Don't try and do their job. You know, it's interesting because towards you know getting to know him last year, in all different situations, after games where he was angry after games where he was pleased despite the result, all different, you know, scenarios. We got to know Torts a a lot differently. And I think we came to realize that he's a lot more cerebral than we think. He's not just all fire and brimstone. And there's a lot of calculated elements to him, you know, the way he practices his team and those things about quality, not quantity. um, They didn't practice a ton last year at points as well. But if I'm Torts or if I'm – thinking how torch is going to handle travis and i think he brings him in as soon as he gets into camp and he meets with him and he says look we wanted to trade you um i was okay with it because of your inconsistency last year and you do have a big deal for a long time and i want you to prove to me that you're a part of this solution long term and and worth every every nickel in that eight-year deal um but you know it's a business and this is how we have to move forward these were the considerations we made it didn't happen you're here let's make this work And, you know, I I think he attacks it dead on, right at it. No skirting around it. No waiting for him to come in. I think this is sit down. Let's have a talk and let's come to an understanding before we even put a skate on the ice.
1: I I think that's vital. I really do. Um, And especially because someone is going to have to take pro rubs minutes. Yep. Um, You know, uh, bringing in Mark Stahl could take some of those minutes. But they're gonna they're going need Sandheim probably to play the most minutes he's ever played in the NHL, and therefore you need that guy uh, on the same page and, and just ready to roll with the season. what's past is past, and you know, let, let's put together a good season. And you know sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make, and take take it from that take it from that framework.
0: Bill, I mean that may be worth a trip to Manitoba to go visit him. Yeah, this summer to really get his head on now. You know what I mean? Because oh, I agree. We're going to be asking you to eat a lot more minutes, all different situations. It's not going to be just more offensive zone starts. You're going to be killing, you're going to be doing all of this stuff. We're going to need you to be a leader on our blue line. Yeah. We have Mark Stahl. He's 37. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think, I think that's a key, key component to getting that player pointed in the right direction consistently.
1: Well, for sure. And, and, um, uh you know it's going to be interesting also to see okay does he does he stay with Bristol line as his primary partner mm-hmm. or you know or is he asked to play the right side which he's done he's done he can play either side is he asked to play the right side uh with York playing playing on his natural side or you know I, it's going to be fascinating to see how all this works there's there's even power play opportunity for Travis yep. uh it's uh, probably more of a second unit kind of thing mm-hmm. but you know Travis Travis was a big, big point producer in junior hockey as a defenseman and, and even the American League. And it just – in the NHL, I think he's had – well, I, I know he's had 30-something points once. But he's never really clicked when tried on the power play. But, there, again, there's opportunity here. It's uh, And so I, I think that – I think Travis has to take the bull by the horns and really have a better season than he had – in uh, the 21-22 season, because A, because the team needs it, B, because sometimes the hardest year is the first year of a long contract, you're trying to play up to that contract, Yeah. and C, because he was almost dealt. So there's uh, there, there's a massive challenge in front of him, but the other side of it, again, is there's, there's a massive opportunity too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look at that second power play unit, and I go, okay, usually you go 2D on, on PP2. The two I'm going with, Erasmus Ristolainen on the right and Travis Sanheim on the left. Ristolainen's big shot. He's played a lot of power play time in his years in Buffalo, played a little bit here. even played a little net front. Um, but then, I, and I have Sanheim back there as well uh, on power play too. Um, Bill, last thing, you know, looking at this offseason, I'm, I'm thinking back and I'm looking at the, I mean, we still could get a wow moment. Like it could happen at any time. Teams that missed out on somebody in free agency, and injury, and they want to make a desperate trade, that kind of thing. But when I look at the three key moments of this offseason so far, it was first and foremost the pro trade, which happened during the cup final. Maybe that was the most shocking because of when it happened. And you're talking about a you know a player that's you know played a ton of games here, minutes eater, all of that the stature, a seventh overall pick. And then the second big moment obviously is the drafting of Michkov, the shroud of mystery, and then that coming to fruition with this superstar talent. Uh, from Russia doesn't speak any English and all the all that went into that he visited the skate zone at the Flyers training center was playing air hockey that whole thing and you and I were doing the live stream that night when they drafted him and it was palpable it was like whoa like this is this could be monumental for this franchise and then the third moment to me is that the Blues trade wins if you will that whole time when Torrey Krug, is he going to wave? Is he not going to wave? He removed his St. Louis Blues stuff from his Instagram or Twitter or whatever. You know, people reading tea leaves and all of that stuff. Ultimately, he didn't. And it was just Kevin Hayes who went there. But when you look at those three moments, they're all very different because one involved the subtraction of Hayes. One involves a long-term, very important piece in Meechkov. And then the other one involves obviously Ke- or Ivan Provorov in a monumental trade, also ending up in, in Columbus. But of all those moves, you know, what's the hot, the big moment of the offseason in your mind? Which what, which one of those three kind of
1: trumps all? I would say short-term off trade, long-term rough. I mean that's that's what the, yeah. what the hope is. Um, and what they what the common denominator between the three is all of them are pretty bold moves by a general manager. They are. You know, pays uh for, you know, for whatever the negatives were did play, did play in the All Star game last season. Was at a point per game through the first two months of the season. Um, and you know, we we've discussed all the reasons why the trade had to happen. But uh, you know, where we talked about when the trade first went down, uh, if you only look at the the optics from a from a distance, without knowing all that went on, you know, all you get is you get a sixth round pick. You're you're eating 50% of it. He has three years of term left. You know, Danny just Danny made the determination. Hey, we we have we have to go forward here. However, this looks right now, we have to do that. So that uh, that that takes that takes some guts by a GM. And you know, then obviously the other two moves. Um, mitchkov is a is a swing for the fences. Um, they the Flyers had at least at least three good choice three good choices possible at the seventh overall pick. Leonard they Benson think- and Meechkov. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, or you, you could even say, uh, uh, too, yeah. two way center. So you, you had, a, you had a number of really quality centers or quality forwards rather available to you at the, uh, the seventh spot. And you, you swung for the guy with the highest upside. If you hit with him, then you, you know, you hit an upper deck home run. So, um, you know, Leonard was probably the safest and, and the guy who was the most, this is a, this is a flyers kind of a pick, et cetera. The guy who's probably going to be a good playoff player, you know, play. The uh, Flyers draft a lot from the from the U.S. development program, uh, all those things. And the Flyers said, "We're going to go for the guy who has a chance to be an offensive superstar." And you see the excitement that, that that's created, even though even though it could be a while till he comes over. So yeah. that's uh, in, in the long term. I mean, that could be that could be a franchise changer. It really could, especially. Gauthier comes in, develops the way you think he will. Now all of a sudden. You you have two of the what I, I think it's fair to say if you're looking at the top ten offensive prospects uh, around the league, those guys could both be uh, could both be in the top ten. Mecicov maybe even in the top three or four. Yeah. So that's uh you know that that that's some pretty exciting stuff ahead. Um, and it just takes uh it, it takes some boldness and takes some patience too because where we mentioned with Provorov, you opened a pretty big hole. Um, it was a move that for various reasons, also probably had to be made and had to be made now. But, you know, that's uh, – there's not a there's not a definitive plan as to who his replacement's going to be. We just talked about Sandheim. You know, guys can pick up pieces of that puzzle. Maybe Emil Andre can pick up some of the offensive side of it. Um, you're hoping – you're hoping a, a guy like Zamula can – establish himself in the NHL and now all of a sudden you're fairly deep on the blue line, but, but there's no real top end guys. We have to be honest. Yep. Um, but that, that's part of, that's part of a long-term plan. It does give me some optimism though, that there, that, that will, that will be addressed moving forward. You can't address everything in one off season.
0: A general manager in year four of a tenure doesn't make those three moves. Very rarely. It's only yeah. a general manager in the beginning of a tenure when he's Im- implementing his first vision is going to get the latitude to take away your number one defenseman that no. doesn't miss games and plays all those minutes, trades away a guy like Kevin Hayes the way he is on and off the ice, and then obviously the bold move for a guy like Matvey Michkoff as well. And you mentioned Cutter Gauthier. Well, we'll be watching him this year at BC too, I'll tell you that. Uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on how, how he performs. He had a great world championship, a great freshman year. Great sophomore year, and he could be on this team before uh, seasons close. Uh, great stuff, Bill. As always, Rebels work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and HL.com and HockeyBuzz.com. And we will join you Wednesday for another grand – we'll actually have Riley Armstrong on Wednesday, I promise. We had some interviews that we kind of bumped uh, Riley back a little bit. We wanted to get Noah Cates on after signing that deal. So Riley Armstrong will be our guest on Wednesday's Flyers Daily. Join us then. A piece of scum.